0: Tremendously honored to have in studio with me today, Rabbi Chaim Bravender, very well known. Anybody who's learned Torah for the last few decades in Israel or out really uh, is familiar with Rabbi Chaim Bravender. Uh, with him, his uh, his side man at the Web Yeshiva, Amichai Tsippor, director of operations at the Web Yeshiva. So, thank you both for coming in to the studios today, uh, Rabbi Bravender. Fifty years since you made Aliyah, yeah.
1: amazing. Doesn't feel like 50 years. No. No, more like 250 years.
0: <laughs> Time flies and we're enjoying ourselves. You know, when so you, when much. you grow
1: up in Brooklyn, you don't imagine that you're going to live through five actual wars in your lifetime. And uh, so living in Eretz Israel has been uh, like revelatory. It's a different world. No regrets. Eretz Israel. Never. Never. Not for a minute. Not for a minute. Uh, Eretz Yisrael is the present and the future of Am Yisrael. There is nothing else. Everything else is just a holding action. You know, before we die, maybe we'll do something positive, but Eretz Yisrael is the future. Either it is going to be great or it'll be a little less than great, but we have to put in all our energy into making it as great as it possibly might be.
0: So you Rabbi Bravinder didn't come to Israel and then just kind of float around a lot of the things that people these days take almost for granted, uh, that women are learning, women are learning Torah and Gemara and and on a massive level as never before, uh, that people are learning online, that the internet, which for some people is seen as maybe a place to not go. You have made it into somewhat of V'Kidosh Hashem by putting Torah learning on the internet. So in terms of innovation, in terms of coming to Israel and putting all your energy, um, a lot of the things that people don't even realize where the source was, many of these things sourced with you. Was that your intention when you came here? So the intention just to come and live here or to make such a huge difference and such an impact on the Jewish people?
1: I don't think it was my intention, but it made sense to me. It didn't make sense for me to think that the experience of Talmud Torah should be denied to women. I just couldn't understand where that kind of position might come from. And therefore, teaching women Torah seemed to me to be a a really reasonable thing to do. I wasn't so uh, uh, involved in revolutions. I didn't know any, even though, you know, there were people who accused me of being a revolutionary, but I thought I was actually being pretty simple-minded that if I liked to learn Torah, and I saw that Torah, for me, me, meant something very important, that if there were women who thought similarly, they should be given the opportunity to learn. It just didn't seem to me to be reasonable to deny them certainly with not within the context of traditional Torah learning, which didn't exist at the time that I started. But I guess it was a naivete and and a kind of um, uh, an attempt to to just be natural that I I started teaching women Torah. People
0: uh, who speak about the way you you teach Torah <laughs> say similar things to what you just said, meaning that. They come away with something. You're not talking above people's heads. You want people to be infused with Torah, and that's the point of how you teach it.
1: I suppose. I suppose that I try to connect to the people who are studying and to kind of move them a little bit in my direction. But I also try to uh, give people the impression that there is a loftiness to Talmud Torah, that it's a very serious enterprise, not something that can be undertaken as a whim. And so that the tradition of yeshiva learning is very much in my mind where there's a kind of a tremendous amount of effort put into the, the learning itself. And the experiential part of Torah learning, which is somehow a connection to the voice of God, um, seems to me to be those two elements that I try to infuse in whatever I'm teaching. And uh, hopefully I, ha- I have reached people with these two messages.
0: And do you think that doing it in Israel has made the difference? Meaning Torah learning, yeshiva learning, of course, has been around ever since there was Torah. Yeshiva learning took a tremendous blow, of course, with the decimation of world Jewry in Europe uh, in the Holocaust and has been really revived since then. But you living in Israel and experiencing, because you, you use the word experiential in terms of Torah, do you think that living here in a Jewish society um Was part of the success that you have had with
1: the Torah learning? I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, one could see the hand of God in the ridiculous political system that we live with, (laughs) where the prime minister of Israel is a member of Knesset, and he can be bounced out on a vote of the Knesset, but as a result of that ridiculous system, the religious parties and religious people in Israel have gained a tremendous amount of power, and in exchange for that power, they've organized the country to enable endless numbers of young people to learn Torah, both men and women. And so it, somehow you see the hand of God in this foolishness that we set up our system based on some kind of comparison to the Soviet system instead of the American system, which enabled Torah to flourish. And today in Eretz Israel there are more people learning Torah on a high level than there were in Babylon and Persia and Eretz Israel and Spain, all combined. There's no, it's never happened before. If you just stand back and think about it, it's... um. It's wonderful, and also remarkable. And this is the result of the miracle. It's like a miracle within the miracle. You know, people think of the big miracle of the State of Israel, but there are also little miracles. You can look for them every day, and find reasons to say, wow, you know, who could have imagined that such a thing would happen? So yes, I think that uh, Torah in Eretz Yisrael is special. And I also think that the system has deemed Torah and Eretz to be special, as though we can't live without it, we had to live without, the, without an army, and we can't live without people who study Torah, right? Okay, there's a bit of a difference of opinion about how to spend your time, you know, between the Torah learning and army learning, but the sheer overwhelming number of people who are involved in Torah learning, this only happened since the State of Israel was established. And it's a miracle, it's absolutely a miracle.
0: How do you think that really the mass of women now learning Torah has changed that? I mean, as a mother, there's the obvious that the children are children in a home now have two parents, can have two parents, theoretically, and in a great situation, who both know Torah. Alright, right. So do you see that that has impacted your 50 years is a long time to be here? it's It's two generations, really. Have you seen a difference in the youth here in Israel because of that or not so much? Because some people will come here and actually see that. You know, there's there's that whole issue of kids raised in religious homes not being as religious. So how, how, there's a lot of interplay. There's a lot of different things happening in Israel, moving movements from side to side. In the, Really, in the half a century uh, of your time here in the state and the tremendous changes you must have seen on almost every single level, this particular one, uh, how do you interpret what's happened?
1: What's happened in the state of Israel, I think, is that being... A Jew in the state of Israel is a challenge, a big challenge. Because on the one hand, there is the religious aspect of Jewishness, but on the other hand, there is the statehood aspect of. Of seriousness, And if you tell me that somebody goes to the army and finds that his devotion to his army service is even greater than his devotion to uh, Torah, to mitzvot, as he was when he was younger, I, I understand that. I mean, it's not coming from two different places. It's coming from the same place. A person wants to do what he feels God wants him to do. And if that happens to be to stay up day and night and protect the borders, including Shabbat and Yom Tov, and if that kind of wears him down, because to do both with great intensity is difficult, I understand that as well. So if you say say that there are people Many people who know more Torah than they ever knew before. I mean, certainly our great grandmothers in Europe or wherever they came from didn't know very much Torah. And today, a lot of people know Torah and are certainly able to listen to high-level She'urim and bring that material home with them. Nevertheless, there is a special strain on people in Eretz Israel who have to resolve their commitment to the state of Israel, and to the Jewish people who live in Israel. And that's not an easy thing. But I hope that the educators, that the rabbanim, that the mechanchim, will find a language and a way to be able to present this difficulty in a reasonable way, which will enable people to fulfill more than one obligation, as we see that there are a lot of young Edu- well educated people who are able to work in their profession and to maintain a level of Torah study. This model has got to be promoted, has got to be promoted so that more and more people can find their way and bridge that, that necessary gap between protecting Olam Hazeh, this, this world, works. and defending Olam Habah. The next world, which is certainly not an easy uh, an easy thing to demand.
0: So, one of the hallmarks of of your reputation, Rabbi Bravender, and then we have to go to a quick quick break, is compassion. And I think that in the last few minutes uh, of what you had to say, my listeners understood why. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on Voice of Israel. We are going out to a quick break, but don't leave your computer. We're coming right back with Rabbi Chaim Bravender. Shalom everybody, this is Jeremy Gimpel from the Land of Israel Network, but also from the Land of Israel Fellowship. We have members from 31 countries joining us every week, Sunday, live at 6 p.m. For those that can't make it live, they get a direct recording. Just go to thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship. We're growing together, we're learning together, we're celebrating together. The gates are open for all who want to come and join. Rabbi Bravinder, you were one of the first people, if not the first, to realize the potential of the Internet to spreading Torah learning around the world. How how did that happen?
1: I I think it was because I I really didn't know that much about computers. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't know that much about computers. I was able to think about it. they say initial bigadol, you know, like I I wasn't way. stuck. I wasn't stuck in a program or it didn't have a concept. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. So I said, "Gee, is this interesting? I could talk and people around the world could hear me talking. So why not take advantage of that?" And um, so I think I thought of it because I didn't really know how to work a computer, so they had to teach me. So I figured, you know, eventually I learned how to do it. And uh, we started this uh, program called Web Yeshiva, which was going to be an opportunity. I wanted to give people an opportunity to learn Torah. who didn't have uh, an opportunity. We found amazingly that there are people all over the world who want to study Torah. And so we have students from Poland, there we have students from Russia and Germany and New Zealand and Hawaii, uh, besides the students that we have who live in reasonable places like New York and Chicago and California. <laughs> uh, but where there the,
0: are Jewish communities. Yeah, yeah. Where, where,
1: where you expect somebody to come around. And we found further that a lot of people, especially young couples with children, uh, they really don't, even they live in New York City, they don't have an opportunity to go to a shiur because those sheyurim are given at the time when you have to change the diapers or when a husband comes home from work and wants to talk to his wife for five minutes. Hopefully, Yeah, yes. well, maybe they just married two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so then There's no
0: diapers either, and, but okay.
1: And yeah. so if you give a shear and it's, it's at 10 o'clock at night where you know, no one in New York is going to go to shear at 10 o'clock at night, you'll get a response from people at home. And, and, and also, uh, you know, it's like a very mature setting because if you want to make a cup of coffee, you go and make a cup of coffee. I mean, you don't have to raise your hand and ask. The only thing, the only limit on the teacher in the web yeshiva is that it's very hard to throw chalk at your students. Uh But I think they're working on that. I'm sure. And I hope that that will soon, soon be the case. So we did this and we have, Hundreds of thousands of people over the years, who have come to study Torah with us, and continue with us, continue with others. Today we have a um, a, a, a smicha program that ordination, we're running, you know, ordination mm-hmm. program. This is our third year. We have many, many students who uh, take it very seriously and do um, do the work that we we tell them to do. And women uh, as well as men. Um, yeah, the, well, yeah. Uh, uh, w- that's there, been a
0: topic, the no, women's ordination no. here. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a ask. different,
1: there. but there is, there is a woman who studied with us for, um, several years who is probably the best student in the program. But she's in the program, mm-hmm. so uh, yes, I mean it's open to women. The mm-hmm. program is certainly open open to women. There's no reason that women should not know the halachot of what's going on in the kitchen. I mean it's kind of silly that we spend so much time teaching men what to do if the milk falls into the meat. Uh, we don't teach it to women, which mm-hmm. you know, for in most cases, still is probably more uh, reasonable to teach to domain. women itself mm-hmm. so so we found that it's and then we're looking for new ways to expand and to develop and to make these programs uh, more accessible and more available to people but you know we had we started a, we had a student from poland that student from poland and and that grew to a bunch of students of poland and that grew to a program in which we teach in poland uh, polish and that grew to somebody from the program in Poland going to New York to study in a New York school. And so um, it's it's been very uh, rewarding, mm-hmm. been very rewarding. It enables me to teach, which is what I like to do. And um, it sort of sets the stage for the future. I mean, somehow I think that a lot of Jewish schools um, need Extra hours of learning and teaching. Students who are very capable and talented deserve a better deal than they sometimes get in the day school that they attend. And the Web Yeshiva can can do all of that. And we have started to do we have a program called Dora Tutors, where we teach one on one students all over the world uh, who need either need help or are far advanced, more advanced than the other kids in their in their classes. So the, the computer, uh, cuts down the costs tremendously and enables the students to study when they have the time. You know that everything we do is also recorded like, uh, this radio, like mm-hmm. this radio program, mm-hmm. uh, we only allow students to use the archives but uh but if a student misses a day if there's something happens so you have to go to a wedding so okay you get it you get the recording and you're up to par with the rest of the class so this is a remarkable this is a remarkable thing when i teach uh, people want to ask me a question so okay they can either interrupt me which they don't do because they're all afraid of me <laughs> and or they can send me a chat or they can you know make noises of one kind or another, hope that I won't figure out who it is. and then i I read the chats and I answer it. it's all it's all something that that we're getting used to. We're all getting used to it, and it's um really quite effective. I don't think it's as good as frontal teaching. I may be prejudiced because I did frontal teaching all those years, but I don't think it's quite as good, but it's second best. It's mm-hmm. second best. and for people who don't have or not can't access frontal teaching, it's better than second best. Do you
0: think that there are also non-Jews who are learning ju- Torah through your programs?
1: There, there, there may be. We, we uh, try to find out the status of the students mm-hmm. that we have. And, and it's often true that if a student is interested in Torah but not Jewish, mm-hmm that really they want to become Jewish. They want some kind of access. And so we help them. We help them by connecting them with uh, the nearest rabbi that we can find. And, uh, and uh, generally, generally, that all works out. It all works out. and We allow them to take certain courses, and other courses we defer in lieu of uh, getting into a— uh, conversion program.
0: Someone who I interviewed a while back who also teaches Torah online to a certain degree told me that there are some people who wouldn't want to come to a physical place. They wouldn't want to be seen learning Torah. Perhaps people who weren't raised with a with a big background and they're kind of, I don't know if they feel that there's peer pressure, oh, you're not learning the Bible, are you? Um, and so this way when they can do it from their home, they can imbibe it without making that public statements. I am now Torah learning. Is that something that you have experienced?
1: I don't think so. Really? I think the people who come to us really want to learn Torah, okay. and they've got to overcome objective difficulties, technical difficulties, and we help them. Mm-hmm. We help them, I think. Uh, I don't know who those people you're talking about Was are. It just
0: an interesting little glimpse into something. Yeah, we live
1: yeah. in an open world today. Right. Even learning Torah is not, you know, looked down upon.
0: Especially, right? There are many people in Israel, the so-called secular yeshivot, so, so you know, people who wouldn't necessarily call themselves religious, but have realized that the texts belong to them as well, and uh, they want to learn.
1: Look, all of these people, I think, I mean, and some of them are students of mine. What you call secular yeshivah, they're not secular, right? They're, they're all searching for something uh, important and impressive, and and um, they hold the, the dike. You know, the dike is made up of all kinds of pieces of wood, and, and they're part of it. They're mm-hmm. part of it. They keep a lot of Jews from slip-sliding away and becoming... Uh, Something else.
0: You know, we're sitting in the studio here that's named for Naftali Frankel, Hashemi Komzavah, one of the boys who was killed last summer. And I mentioned to you that I interviewed his mother, Rachel, in the studio a few months ago, and you said that she was was one of your students. Do you think that the—I mean, she's an amazing person on every single level— but do you think that some of what she was able to learn beyond the Torah has also given her that strength and that emunah? To come through and be an example to so many other people through this terrible time that she has had?
1: I would love to say yes, but all I can tell you is that when I went to the Shiva and she saw me, she thanked me for what she had learned. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the best question. I could do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of people would thank you uh, for what for what you have taught them. In the last couple of minutes we have remaining, I just wanted to move the mic over to Amichai Tzipor. If people are listening and saying, wow, we didn't know about Web Yeshiva, how can they get involved? What's the website? How can they also become part of Rabbi Ravinder's world of Torah?
2: Uh, it's very, very simple. Um, the, the website itself is webyeshiva.org, webyeshiva.org. And um, the registration is a very simple process. Um currently uh, we just finished up the uh the summer semester and the Elulzman will be starting August 30th. Um and they can go today right now this minute uh to webyeshiva.org and there's there's quite a, I think there's 10 or 15 classes I can't remember already scheduled to start for Elul. and in English. In, in English mm-hmm. the the regular uh webyeshiva classes uh these are the ones I'm talking about. Um they're all free. They're all free. They're all accessible. If you miss a class, um, you can access the archives to to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's the there's what Robert Bravner mentioned earlier. There's this Halacha Mastery program, which is three years long, and and the, there's a fourth year which is uh, for mm-hmm. Um That itself, uh, it's again easy to sign up for. There is a tuition for that, um, but there are some special payment plans, and uh, and there's quite a there's Quite a, a few people in it, um, and they enjoy it, and and they're from all over the world. And it's a life changer. Yeah, it's a life changer. The the even the, you know the students taking the regular classes, also it's a life changer for them.
0: So an unfair question for Rabbi Bravinder as we close out the show. What's your favorite thing to teach? What's your favorite topic?
1: My favorite thing to teach yeah. is um, lately. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I mean Torah. It's Torah. It, it, it all seems to interconnect and every time you start teaching something you're also teaching everything else at the same time so uh if i'm teaching gemara i love to teach gemara i'm teaching rabbi Nachman, i love to teach rabbi Nachman. okay so it's all there
0: thank you rabbi chaim Bravender. been a real scoop and a real honor to interview you today thank you so much eve harrow